You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. It is Wednesday the 3rd of May, and I'm safely ensconced in Louisville, Kentucky, ahead of the Kentucky Derby this weekend. Thanks to Tom for his hard work yesterday. Dawn is breaking here. Dawn has well and truly broken where most of you consume this podcast on mainland Europe somewhere. But as you know, our tentacles spread far and wide. We'll be off to Hong Kong toward the end of the show. And back here in Louisville, I'll be joined by Terry Finley of West Point. Thoroughbreds looking forward to another Kentucky Derby, having been part of the ownership group that won back in 2017. But of course, closer to home, it is the 1,000, 2,000 guineas this weekend. 2,000 guineas chat with leading rider Jim Crowley very shortly. He takes the mount on Royal Scotsman, who's been quite well tipped up of late. And he also rides Polly Potts in the 1,000 guineas. When we spoke to Dermot Weld about Tahira, the heavy 1,000 guineas favourite a couple of days ago, he said the intention was to run, but please call me back in the middle of the week and I will confirm yes or no. So I'm doing as I am bid. Dermot, what's the story? Good morning, Nick. No, we're, we're, we're satisfied. We're all set. Uh, I'm pleased with her. And, uh, yeah, we're arranging travel arrangements for her and uh, plan is to run on Sunday. We didn't really talk that much the other day about just sort of the last the last few weeks with her and, and how she'd been working, really, whether she'd been showing you, like, real real zip and the kind of brilliance you want, I guess. Well... She's not a filly's ever going to do that for you at home, and that's a problem. Two reasons for my delayed decision. Firstly, we've had a very dry month of February, but then, of course, we got this very wet March and April. You know, she just went back a little bit in her coat, but um, she's never a filly. That, she, she's never a, a really impressive worker at home. And um, so it's very hard to gauge, to be quite honest with you. So whatever I've asked her to do, I've been satisfied, and uh, that's exactly where we are. You, you've you've been around long enough to see a lot of classics, Dermot. What do you make of the strength of this race as it stands at the moment? I think it's a I think it's a very good renewal of the race. I think Meditate is an exceptionally good filly, and I think there's a lot of a lot of kind of unknown talent that's about to appear. In the race, so there's a lot of fillies, I, I think, going to come forward. And I think it's an open contest. I think it's a very good renewal. Okay, Rishi Passat is with me this morning. Uh, more Dermot Weld. I can never get enough Dermot Weld, Rishi, especially when we, we need updates on this on this filly. And again, now we know she is going on Sunday. Uh, if you listen to that, it's not going to have you rushing to your wallet. However... You have to just judge it on on what she's done last year and, and be happy the trainer's happy enough with her. Indeed. And I, I think the fact that she's turning up in the guineas is just enough, regardless of how Dermot Weld may sound in terms of the way he verbalises his opinion on whether or not she's going to win. Um, I think the fact that she's turning up in the guineas is enough evidence to suggest that she's ready to run a massive race. I mean, she's obviously unbeaten and so mightily impressive on her second start when she dismiss meditate and one or two other good horses in behind um 
and Dermot Wells MO over the years, Nick, you know it better than most. I won't run a horse unless I actually, I actually think this horse is ready. You know, he he has missed many races uh, in the past where horses seemingly seem r- the right race for them early on because of tradition and pattern, etc. But if the horse isn't right, he won't run the horse. So the fact that she's turning up there is probably all the evidence you need to think that she's going to go very close to winning. If I wanted to get a, a slightly more in-depth um, view on on how Dermot Well maybe prepares horses for big mm. races, where, where might I be able to do that anytime soon? Well, Lucky you asked the question. Lucky by name, lucky by nature, because tonight, Wednesday night, 9.15 on Racing TV, I have the pleasure, alongside the legend that is Steve Mellish, <laughs> interviewing the great Dermot Weld. Um, I felt a little bit out of place in that company. 9.15, Dermot Weld reflects on all his great successes internationally. And of course, it kicks off with the, the historic success of Vintage Crop in the Melbourne Cup, what is it, 30 years ago? Um, it is, I genuinely, I sat there in awe listening to him, uh, his recollection and some of the amazing stories that he had to tell about some amazing horses and some incredible experiences traveling the world with them. I see what you do with this thing now. You you turn up and you go, hello, we're here at um, Dermot Well, Jim Bolger, whoever. And then you say, here's Steve Mellish. And, and, <laughs> let him out. and at the end, you go, I hope you enjoyed that. It's brilliant. It's like when Jeremy Vine used to do Panorama. He, he'd do the opening paragraph and then he'd say, and it's now over to whichever reporter it was. And uh, they do that. They do all the hard work. Steve is very interested in detail. Lucky. I'm, I'm less interested in detail. I'm, I'm more into how does it feel? You know? Right. Right. <laughs> uh, back to, back on point, back to the detail. Sorry. This, week, Sorry. this weekend's classics. Uh, if, yes. it's not, if it's not going to be Tahira, who will it be? Uh, well, I liked Neverending Story, but I'm not sure she's definitely going to run in the race. There's a, a little bit of uncertainty about whether or not she'll commit to the race. France has been mentioned for her. But in fairness, the race that Tahira won last year, um, the Moigler, Neverending Story got checked at a crucial moment. And I think she might have finished second on that occasion. And she's 16 to 1. I thought she might have beaten Meditate had it not been for the fact that she was checked. I like the fact that she's had a run. She won nicely on her comeback. Um, and if she were to run, I thought 16 to 1 is a very good price. There are a couple of others floating around at decent prices each way. Um, I liked Remarque at Newbury. I love the fact that she's got clearly lots of ability, but I'm not entirely certain she's all that straightforward, but she's only had two runs. And the other one at a decent price would be Morge of uh, Saeed Bin Suroz, who um, bolted up on her second of two starts in Dubai. The first time she won, she only narrowly won, um, but it was it was soft ground, unusually, at the end of January. But then second time out on better ground, she blitzed her field. And I think as long as it's good ground on the weekend, um, I think she's got a chance with Asheen Murphy now booked to ride. Yeah, I like the chances of Morge as well. Asheen Murphy was going to originally ride Polly Pot for Ben Pauling last year's um, fourth in the Phillies Mile and the May Hill winner when trained by Harry Dunlop. That ride now goes to Jim Crowley, who has a more high-profile ride in the Colts equivalent aboard Royal Scotsman, who's been the subject of good notices from trainers Paul and Oliver Cole and was put up by Racing Post price-wise a few weeks ago as well. So he's not as, as though he's really slipped under the radar. He was second in the Dewhurst last year, coming from the back. Uh, and uh, I asked Jim Crowley this morning whether, A, he was hopeful of beating Chaldean, the horse that beat him that day, and B, hopeful of winning the race outright. Well, obviously, um, I'd, be, I'd be very hopeful of him reversing the form with Chaldean. I thought 
he'd, he'd been running very well all year, and um, he, he, he's obviously in the Dewhurst. Uh, it was his first time over seven furlongs, and um, he'd been a bit keen at times, so we dropped him in to get him to relax. And if anything, he relaxed too well, and he took a bit of time to get going, and I felt Chelby sort of got going before we did. And by the time he hit top gear, um, he was only just getting going at the winning line, and he galloped out really well that day. And the first thing I said to to um, Paul and Oliver and Jimmy Feature was that I wouldn't have any worries about him getting the, getting the mile, sorry. So the way he galloped out. But, so I'd be very confident of him staying the trip. Do you like that, the idea that he's had quite a bit of conditioning last year, that he's had a few runs, that he knows what racing's all about? Definitely. I think, that, I think that's important. I think... Um, Obviously, you want experience going into a race like that. Um, it's very hard for a horse to go in there on the back of one run. Um, he hasn't run in any of the trials, which I think they're very close to the guineas. And unless you've got an exceptional horse who doesn't have a hard race, um, it, it's they, they are very close to the race. He's missed those trials. Um, and like I said, his, his form was very strong from last year. It, it, I think there's question marks about a few of the horses in the race obviously the front two in the betting are very good horses of Aidan O'Brien's um, as does Chaldean but I'd be very hopeful this lad he'll definitely stay and well, he's very exciting um, You mentioned the, the two Bally Doyle horses August Rona and, and Little Big Bear um, are, are, there's a sort of natural assumption that Ryan Moore's going to ride August Rona if, if you were him would that be the way you'd be leaning? Well, it's going to be an easy decision for him. Um, obviously, August Rodin looks very much a derby type of horse, and he does look a very decent horse. I was very impressed with Little Big Bear when he won, and he looks like he's got a lot of speed. Um, he's out of a bearing mare, so I, I think he will stay. Um, he could be very talented. He might be one of those horses who has a lot of speed. Um, but stays, and I think that's the key to all good milers, that they've got to have speed. Um, so it won't be an easy decision for Ryan Moore. I think both of them have got outstanding chances. Yeah, I would. Uh, I'd be inclined to agree. And you ride Polly Pot. You picked up the Polly Pot ride for for Ben Pauling and, and the Megsons on on Sunday with Asheen Murphy switching to Morge for Said Bin Sarur. There's no pressure. She's a big price, but is she a completely forlorn hope? Well, I hope not. It's a great ride to pick up. Um, yeah, obviously I watched her last year. And- She's another one. She, she, she'll definitely stay the mile very well. Um, so whether, she, whether she's good enough, but um, as you saw a few years ago, Bilston Brook winning at 66 to 1. You just never know. Um, you know, if you're not in it, you can't win it. So it's a great ride to pick up. All right, that was Jim Crowley, quite hopeful mm. of winning the Guineas and very hopeful of reversing the form with Chaldine. He also um, prompted me to ask the question that I've been tossing around in my mind all week. Um, is it an absolute foregone conclusion, Rishi, that Ryan Moore should ride August Rodin over Little Big Bear? I mean, Aidan O'Brien in an interview with Gary O'Brien on Racing TV Sunday seemed to suggest that he probably would. But mm. should he? Is it, is, it, is it as cut and dried as that? I don't think it is, uh, especially if we get good ground or even slightly quicker. Um, but if we get that sort of ground, that's a question mark against... Um, the favourite, August Rodin. I, I'm not entirely certain Ryan Moore is convinced which horse he should ride at this stage. 
I guess the question mark about Little Big Bear would be, will he definitely stay the distance? Um, but I don't think it's cut and dried. I mean, you kind of have to assume Ryan Moore will have the same sort of th thought process that we will have to a degree. And then he has a little bit more information from what Aidan O'Brien will tell him. Plus, he may have had the opportunity to ride both colts. Um, but from what we know, what we've seen of the two horses on the race course and i don't think it's clear cut as you know what uh 174 and 192 roughly i don't think it's as clear cut as that between the two of them um 11 to 2 the, my, my last look little big bear which one would you ride well i think little big bear has the best form um yes. and i think he's a he's a fast faster horse and i thought he was absolutely brilliant at the Curra. The horses who finished behind him, he was thrashing by 8, 10, and 12 lengths, were mm. all horses with genuine top-class two-year-old pattern race form. He doesn't scuttle like a little two-year-old sprinter. And I don't really understand this thing about him not being bred to stay. I, I know he's by no-name never, but there's plenty of no-name nevers that have got a mile. And yep. he's out of a bearing mare, bearing the arc runner-up. And mm. he's from the family of an arc winner that Timmy Hyde has, has nurtured latterly. So I don't really get this idea that he's bred to be a sprinter and I he doesn't move like a sprinter. The issue is, has he trained on and has the injury that he picked up toward the back end of last year impeded his progression? And that's, for me, the only issue. And if it has, if he has trained on and that, that's not getting in his way or and it hasn't, hasn't stopped his progress, then August Rodat is going to have to be an absolute superstar Mm. to beat him at a mile i think so the possibilities are a little big bear's not as good as he was a two-year-old b or august Renat is a complete superstar or c something else yeah neither of the above could be c august rodan i have question marks about i mean the win in, the win at doncaster obviously in the end it was authoritative enough but i just felt you know certainly the way Holloway boy ran in the race and ran around a little bit how good is the runner-up epictatus and also the ground Little Big Bear, has he definitely trained on? And we haven't seen him since the 6th of August. That was his last run. Now, I know he's trained by one of the greatest trainers of all time. Still a big ask to come back having had an injury and produce what will have to be a career best in a hot race over a trip that he's never run over before. That's in itself a big question mark. So, yeah, uh, I'm against both horses. Watch them finish one too. All right, you're against both horses. Who are you with? I like Royal Scotsman. Um, I'm with everything that Jim Crowley says. I think Jim, by his own admission, felt that um, he rode Royal Scotsman in the Dewhurst to see out the trip. He wasn't entirely certain that he would stay. And at the end of the Dewhurst, felt that he actually stayed much better than he thought. And had he ridden him like a stair, he may well have won. So that's why I think he, he can clearly see that he'll reverse the form with Chaldean. And I think that Dewhurst form was very strong. Obviously, Nostrum was in behind them as well, and he would have been a live contender for the race had he not met with a small setback. So I thought the Dewhurst strong, and I think Royal Scotsman might have proven to be the best, or might prove to be the best of them, uh, certainly at this time of the year over the, the mile at Newmarket. So I'll take the chance with Royal Scotsman. Okay, continuing our build-up to Saturday's run for the Roses. Kentucky Derby 149, drawing an outside gate. Jace's Road in 18. Last year, Terry Finley and West Point Thoroughbreds enjoyed a, a heady, extraordinary, uh, once-in-a-lifetime ride with the with, with Flight Line. And, and Terry was on this podcast on a regular basis. And um, West Point were in the spotlight throughout. 
it's it's great to have you back, Terry, in the in the Kentucky Derby this time. But now I'm guessing you're you're finding it rather unusual flying under the radar a little with your your ownership group. We are flying we are flying under the radar, Nick. You know, I I thought we'd be fifty to one, and I I was stunned when they announced the morning line. We were fifteen to one. I think they might change that. I'm, I think that might be a typo. I don't think we're going to be fifteen to one in there, but. Your your point is well made. It's you know we knew we were going to be two to five in the Breeders' Cup Classic. We're going to be a lot longer than that, and you know it it's it, it's a lot more enjoyable at least the lead up when you're two to five. But um, as we talked about, and as all the partners are experiencing, this is really you know one of the biggest races in the world, and everybody wants to win it. And if you can't win it, you definitely want to be in it. And we are, and you know one of the things when you go to the draw and you see people, especially first timers, it, it really gives you hope in the future of our industry and our business, because you see the excitement and what, what racing and what the Kentucky Derby and actually having a runner in it can do to people. It, it changes their whole perspective and it changes their lives, which is great. Uh, and one thing that struck me, it, it really doesn't matter who you are, whether you've had inordinate success in this industry. I mean, we were hearing from Charlie O'Connor yesterday uh, talking about John Magna's desire to win this race in, in their silks with, with verifying. Two days ago, Keith was almost talking to me about his experience finishing second with Exaggerator and, and how he feels this this sense of calm and, and serenity just because he's there as part of the event and the hard work's already been done. It doesn't matter who you are. Everyone wants to be a part of this. It, everybody wants to be part of it. And um, look, we know, uh, you know, the richest and, and the most aggressive owners in the world, you know, by and large, have not done very well in the Kentucky Derby. So um, I was up at the at the draw and I, I walked out and I just looked out on on the racetrack and I, I said, all you have to do is run a mile and a quarter you know, faster than 19 other horses on the surface. That doesn't sound like a very difficult task, but we know that it is. And um, but. I guess that's why it's so special. You know, we've, um, we won it in 2017 as a part owner. We were, we were second in 2014. And I, I really thought, you know, coming out of a Churchill Downs at the end of the day in 2014 on the first Saturday in May, I said, that's as close as we're going to get. Um, and it was unbelievable. And I would, I would have traded anything to, to have been second. And, you know, then when we won, I, I was like, now I know. Now I know what people feel like and and how they reacted um, all those years that that they won the Kentucky Derby. It's a it's truly a special a special moment. But the buildup is there too. So you know, all of us in racing, we know these big events, and um, uh, you, you know, they get us going and they get us um, to the point where we're doing the hard work all the months of the of the rest of the year. But the Kentucky Derby is very special, very special, and, and I'm just glad to be part of it on behalf of my partners. I really am. When you were involved in the runner-up, the winner that year in 2014 was California Chrome, who's just been inducted into the Hall of Fame, a, a real blue-collar hero, a romantic Kentucky Derby story. Well, well, romantic until until the whole Steve Coburn thing later in the Triple Crown, but you know what I mean. And then... And then <laughs> All, all, always dreaming who you were involved with was, you know, your your classic Derby horse, Velasquez, Pletcher, a, you know, a whole bunch of of important people. In terms of where you sit in the pecking order this year, 
where do you think you're at? I mean, do you really think you're a 50 to one shot? Yes, I do. I do. You you have to be realistic. Really, the only shot, and if I get a shot, I'm gonna I'm gonna give some guidance to to 19 other jockey jocks, and I'm gonna give them advice. And the advice I'm gonna give them if they take it is to not move too soon, right? Because I know our our only shot is to walk the dog, is to go to the lead and just get very comfortable and open up and and you know hope that they don't catch us. You know that's kind of what the best case scenario in my mind is, but that doesn't happen. You, you know, horses, you know, jocks that, that, that know they might not have uh, a ton of horse. They're going to try to win the race. And they, as a result, they get into the far turn and they, they try to explode and we're going to do the same thing. So, I mean, we're, we'll be th- between 35 and 50 to one. I do love the fact that, that there's no horse in here that, you know, people by and large that know what they're doing and thinking about when they handicap, right? There's no horse in here that is unbeatable. And I think that's the key. And that's what's, that's what's causing all of us to say like, Hey, we have a punter shot in here to run well. Now, whether that's good enough to win, we'll find out on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. It's a wonderful betting race. I just haven't got a Scooby-Doo how to handicap it yet, but I'm going to leave it till the last minute. Yeah, okay. I I'll give you a quick. You know, I like practical move. I, I had a shot to meet his owner up at the draw, and I I had never met him before. I said I really admire the work that you've done, and and uh, you've done great work on TV, and you've carried yourself, and your horse has been been brought along the right way, and you've made all the right moves. And he smiled and he said, "Thank you very much." And he, I hadn't met him before, and he said, "And the other thing is, I just bred a mare to flight line." So I said, "I." I said, you're even a bigger, I'm even a bigger fan than I was, but um, I like practical move. I think he's going to be, he's going to be a factor. You know, they're not supposed to go quite that far. And I think he's kind of, he's out punched uh, or, you know, he's outrun his coverage um, now for about six months. So I think he's, you know, the horse that I'm probably going to zero in on um, outside of our horse. But, you know, I, you brought up the Sormo. I think that horse is, Super, super live. I know confidence he, game. He worked great the other day, and he looks, you know, confidence game looks like he's coming into this race as good as possible. And you know, Desormo, he's as good of a horseman as there is in the country. I really believe that. And I and we've only had one or two horses with him, but you talk about a natural horseman and a talent. Uh, I think he's right up there with all the other big guys. Uh, you know, he just hasn't had that quality that walked into his barn every every spring. But he gets more out of those horses than I think anybody would in the whole country. Terry, I always appreciate uh, talking to you. Thanks so much for your time. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Enjoy the week, and let's go Derby. Terry Finley there from West Point Thoroughbreds. Good luck to them on Saturday here in Kentucky. Rishi Passad is still with me, continuing our, mm-hmm. our look ahead to Classics, Rishi, but casting our mm-hmm. eyes forward to the Derby at Epsom, which is is likely to be disrupted by by Animal Rising. We talked about this earlier in the week, but the Daily Mail went went full steam ahead with another another front page on this. I mean, anyone would think that you know uh, there are people at the Daily Mail who who have got a bit of an appetite for for a bit of civil, civil unrest. Ridiculous! I can't believe that a national newspaper would be uh, so so keen to to advertise the the plans of these protesters but yes it seems they're coming for the derby i think it's going to be a harder task 
much harder task than disrupting the national. Um, a, the geography and the layout of Epsom means it's going to be a little bit more tricky to get into certain parts of the race course. Uh, obviously, it's a smaller smaller area for the ra- for the horses to race on, so smaller area for them to access. Um, and also, everyone knows that they're coming now, you know, or more so than uh, for the national. Then, with with the national, there was a thought that well, they come or there's the threat every year, but everything's now heightened. So, <clears throat> you know. They, they may well cause some disruption, but I suspect Epsom will be, well, I hope Epsom will be very well prepared for this and, and will be able to counter any animal rights protesters uh, and their attacks. Speaking of fun fairs, Rishi, there, there seem to be some unfortunate placement of one at Windsor races uh, on, on, on Monday, bank holiday Monday. Um, yeah. Is this a storm in a teacup or have the trainers got a point? Well, I think the trainers would have a point, but I find it slightly disconcerting that a number of trainers have obviously had horses racing at Windsor and not said anything because um, unless Liam Johnson, the executive director of Windsor, is making this up, but he said he's made the point that where the fun fairs were located on the Monday is the same spot they've been in for a number of years. So if that's the case, then clearly... Um, it's just it's just a thing of, of some people being offended by it and some people not because if it has been in the same place for years surely it would have caused issues before so I'm guessing some trainers find it okay and others find it a massive concern um, to be fair to, to Windsor they have said that they will now look into it and maybe if it is a massive issue for a number of trainers they will relocate if that is the case but um, I think probably a little bit of a storm in a teacup lucky now, now, Rishi, you're you're a big fan of York Racecourse, yes? Huge, huge. And and you'll be at the Dante Festival this year. Oh, I will. Now, are you are you aligned with me in thinking that twelve pounds, just twelve pounds, mm-hmm. is a pretty good deal for tickets on on that day, on the first day, Wednesday, the seventeenth of May, at the Dante Festival at York, a, a racecourse which we heap praise on on a, a routine basis. That is a bargain, Lucky. I thought you'd say that. Right. Well, in conjunction with Nick Luck Daily, York are offering up to five tickets per order uh, at this discounted rate of £12. And you get grandstand and paddock access for the 17th of May, the first day of the Dante Festival. The offer expires at 4pm on the 8th of May and, of course, is subject to availability. And you just need to use the code NLD. York. So head to the York Races website, order the tickets for Wednesday the 17th of May. You can get up to five of them and use the code NLD York. How about that? All right. Thanks to David. Now it's off to Hong Kong and J.A. McGrath after what was a terrific Champions Weekend. Nick, it was a great day at Sha Tin last Sunday, a truly noteworthy day for Hong Kong racing when three local champions all won their respective races on a memorable FWD Champions Day card. Golden 60 was superb. So was Vincent Ho, his jockey, by the way. A very heady ride from Vincent in the Champions Mile. Lucky Swain S reinforced his position as Hong Kong's top sprinter with the victory in the Chairman's Sprint Prize, and he looked very strong in doing so. And Romantic Warrior trounced his rivals in the QE2 Cup, 
The race was run to suit him, that's for sure, but he was far too good. And he finished ahead of Dubai Honour, who failed to reproduce his Group 1 winning form from Sydney. So, three out of three for Hong Kong, and time for some justifiable self-praise from Hong Kong Jockey Club officials, and all connected with the three champions. Thoroughbred Racing Commentary acknowledged the Hong Kong triumph in their latest set of world rankings, published yesterday. TRC have Golden 60, Romantic Warrior and Lucky Swainess all in the top five ranked horses in the world. Three of the top five. Not bad for a jurisdiction with no more than roughly 1,500 horses, give or take a few here and there at different times of the year. The other item to emerge from Sunday is that Zach Purton, who's heading for his sixth jockey's title, has reaffirmed his commitment to Hong Kong. He has struck a deal with the authorities that allows him to ride in other places in the world when the opportunity arises during the Hong Kong season. That's a big breakthrough for the top jockeys, who often get offers to uh, make fleeting visits to Australia, Dubai, Saudi and other places. Let's leave behind the glory of Champions Day, though, and focus on some bread and butter stuff from Happy Valley today. Nine races and a couple of winners for you. In uh, race number seven, number seven, Hoss, to be ridden by Zach Purton and trained by Jamie Richards, looks a good thing in the St George's Challenge Cup, which is a class three sprint over six furlongs. Hoss should be too good for them, but he'll be very, very short in betting. Possibly better value is in race nine, number two, Nordic Dragon, to be ridden by Hugh Bowman, trained by Danny Shum, of course, of Romantic Warrior fame. And Nordic Dragon has just regained the winning thread, and I think he can start making his rise through the ranks, as was anticipated earlier in the season. So race nine, number two, uh, Nordic Dragon, taking him in a tote swinger with number nine, Phoenix Light. That's all on the Hong Kong Beat this week. I'll have more for you next week. Well, busy week as the the flat season really cranks up another gear all around the world with classics here where I am in Kentucky. Classics, of course, at home in Newmarket. And time to get a sponsor's perspective now from David Howden uh, of Howden Insurance, uh, who are lending their support not only to Ascot, uh, but to Newmarket this weekend. A couple of races have the, uh, the Howden name today on Trials Day at Ascot, and it's part of a, a major expansion of the, the equine side of uh, David's global insurance business, and he joins me now. Um, David, we've spoken before at various stages of your involvement in, in horse racing. You're two years into a five-year deal with Ascot. You're getting stuck into the Kipco Guineas Festival at Newmarket this weekend, which was announced yesterday. Um, just tell me how you feel it's all going and what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, well, Nick, good to talk to you as always, and uh, a very uh, exciting week ahead. We've obviously got the start, as you say, uh, at the Fan of Ascot with the, the Trials Day. We've got a couple of races sponsoring, and then um, you know uh, the excitement of the uh, the Guineas weekend uh, uh, at Newmarket. And, and for us, you know, you as a business, we obviously you know, first took the partnership with Ascot just about two years ago now, um, and uh, it's been really amazing to see how you know our support there has raised our profile uh, and in a way hopefully you know shown our passion for racing but we felt that we'd want to do more than that um we've expanded uh you know a lot uh, obviously as you say now sporting um new market uh with the uh, uh the guineas weekend and also now as you say having some races on, on, on the trials day and i think that you know from personally the uh, the new market one is uh uh, quite personal because actually I, I funnily enough first got into uh, 
got really in, into racing when I met David Rebers uh, uh, on the Newmarket Gallops and then actually went to watch a Roaring Lion, not actually sadly win the 2000 Guineas, but run, run in the Guineas. And that was the sort of start of my uh, 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 passion into, into breeding for racehorses. And it's mushroomed and developed uh, really at, at, at remarkable speed as well. You, you've also got a partnership this year in his in his farewell year with with Frankie Dettori. You're involved with with Richard Johnson. Uh, what's the thinking behind that? There's been a, a a big expansion in the in the Howden Equine portfolio. Yeah, there has. As you say, Neil, we 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 we, we want to really demonstrate that we're absolutely committed uh, to investment in our Bloodstream portfolio. We've now got over eighteen. Uh, professionals in that base. We've recently been joined by some very senior people like Mike Godfrey and, and David Long and many others. So huge expansion of our investment into bloodstock. And I, I think, you know, we want to demonstrate that, you know, it's not just about us actually investing in bloodstock from the point of an insurance aspect, but also investing in the business that we're passionate about. And I think to have uh, Frankie uh, as our ambassador you know, in his final year is just amazing. I think it's very, very exciting. I think celebrating such an amazing and successful, you know, sportsman is, is just what we want to get behind as well as getting behind the races itself. So for us, it's as much about the people as it is about the horses. So, you know, I think that's very exciting. And I think that also, you know, if you look at the success we've had with Ascot, it hasn't just actually been here in the UK. Uh, you know, we went with a number of people from Ascot to uh, to Melbourne, the Melbourne Cup, and we're, we're actually uh, looking to do things out there as well now. We've also supported uh, racing in Bahrain by supporting the Crown Prince race there. So you've seen Howard really showing our, our, our love and passion for horse racing, not just here in the UK, but actually globally. Uh, and David, finally, your your own personal investment in the sport continues. Um, we, we've talked a little about uh, Cornbury Horse Trials, which has been a, a massive success. Uh, this weekend, you mentioned Roaring Lion. You've got a progeny of Roaring Lion, Running Lion, who was in the 1,000 guineas, but is now appropriately enough in the Howden Pretty Polly Stakes. What aspirations do you have for her? Yeah, well, obviously she's a real, uh, I've got a very, very soft spot for Running Lion. Um, she's one of two fillies I've got from Roaring Lion. As I said, you know, Roaring Lion in some ways is the sort of start of my you know, passion into the racing uh, with Qatar Racing and, and David. So to see her r- race is going to be very, very exciting. Uh, interestingly enough, I, I think we decided that she's just going to be a better uh, 10 furlong plus horse. Um, and that's why we moved her to the Pretty Polly. In fact, the Pretty Polly is a race I, I won with a horse I'm now breeding from called Run Wild. You'll see the theme Run and Running. And um, Run Wild actually won the Pretty Polly uh, a couple of years ago, the fastest time ever. Um, so I'm hopeful that now it's called the Howden Pretty Polly. I might be giving myself a trophy. <laughs> well, as uh, as the great Graham Good used to say in Channel Four commentary, sponsor horse in the sponsors race. David, many congratulations. Uh, good luck at the weekend. Thanks, Dick. Okay, thanks to David. To all my guests today, Rishi is still with me and has a tip for you. I am really looking forward to the Commonwealth Cup trial today at Ascot. It looks a cracking race. Obviously, the Coventry winner, Brad Sells in there. Breeders' Cup juvenile turf winner, Mischief Magic. Sorry, the, yeah, the turf sprint winner, Mischief Magic, is in it. But I am going to have a little each-way tickle on Marban uh, for Jamie Spencer and Charlie Fellows. 
Um, the win at Goodwood where he beat Hollow Boy um, still fresh in my mind. And I'm hoping there's plenty of pace. So a couple of horses I'd like to go on, Desert Cop and Cold Case. So if they go on, make it a decent clip over the stiff six at Ascot, I think Marban might finish strongly. So I think he's about 10 to 1. 10 to 1. Marban and the colours of Sheikh Ahmed for uh, Charlie Fellows and Jamie Spencer in the Pavilion Stakes today at Ascot, the Commonwealth Cup trial on Commonwealth on a, a Royal Ascot Trials Day. We will see you tomorrow with reflections on that and more um, anticipation for the delights of the weekend ahead. That was Wednesday, May the 3rd. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.